Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Broadcasting from beautiful Burbank, California. This is the Napsack Files. I'm Ken Napsack, and this is another intro portion of the show. I, I don't know why I over-explained that, uh, but this is just you and me getting to chat while we wait for the guest to get here. Kidding. My guest this week will be Alex Backus from Black Series Rebels. And Alex, uh, we taped this episode, uh, well, quite a few weeks ago. So it's been in the can. When I do that, uh, uh, it's, it's nice to get ahead. It makes you feel like you're a troll of things, even if it's a lie or just temporary. Uh, but I, uh, you know, I wanted to, uh, I, I, I like getting ahead of things, but I like uh, talking to you guys in the week that the episode comes out as well. So that's why we do these intros. And I'm really excited to sit down with and talk to Alex. Uh, I met Alex and his uh, producing uh, hosting partner Steve Ellis. Uh, they make up the Black Series Rebels, and I met them at an event, one of the events they were hosting. And they were kind of like, "Hey, you're the we we watch Jedi Council," and I was like, "Ho, bow before me, fans." I ended up going on the show and just really like those dudes. Really like what they do. Like working with them. And uh, Alex. Has uh, got a comic book coming out, and we're going to talk all about that on the show today. So stay tuned for that. And it's what I like about it too is they've become uh, good pals of mine here. And I'm in LA 21 years now, and it's very, very easy to uh, underestimate and undervalue the importance of good friends in towns, when you, especially when you go someplace. Thinking back to when I moved to town, I had my two friends in town. That I was moving in with, and, and, and uh, another friend of mine at the time, um, but two like real good friends from high school, Casey and Joel. You know, like that was uh, we were coming down together. But essentially, they had already lived down here, going to school for a couple of years. They were a little more established, um, and I was coming down and I had my uncle and, and family here. I didn't know anybody. Didn't know anybody, and that is, I think it's it's okay. It's possible. It's easy to get through at least in the initial stages. But you look back and you go, wow, how did I make friends? How did I do that? And it's so valuable. I think your friends are your family. Though I do not like, I'm not a uh, friends-giving person. Don't like that term. Don't like that term. And I don't, and at Thanksgiving, I kind of don't even like my friends. I'm going to be left on a, you know, working Black Friday all those years probably did it. Um, there's a couple of friends of mine, uh, Matt Key, Brittany, and then uh, Matt and Marisha, they would, they would gather up and they'd, they would, for like three Black Fridays in a row, they'd go over to my mall and they'd pop in on me and they'd buy me a coffee or a hot chocolate and check in on me on the craziness. And it was, you know, it was, those are friends too. Good friends, you know, supporting one another. But other than that, holidays, nuts to you, friends, I'm out. But the rest of the year, love friends. And it's important to 
I have what I call the Hall of Fame friends. And like Joel and Casey, who I moved to LA with and went to high school with, still friends, but we don't see each other as much. Life goes on, you move on, uh, different things happen, and, and that's that's fine. That's fine, and I, you should never be too stressed when that happens. But it's important to to look around and, and, and see who's in your life now, and those are the people that are there for a reason. Steve and Alex have become a couple, a couple of those guys for me, uh, and there's a lo- others along the way, and it's the value of friendship in this town that's uh, going to keep you around. This town specifically, Hollywood, but any town. And going back to those early days when I when I uh, my friends were naturally through work. Uh, when I moved here, I was working in a movie theater for about two months, transferred down, and and. It was just scary, lonely times. Again, when I say it's, it's easy to get through because you could function. I'm a, I'm a type of person who can function on his own very well. And, you know, roommates of mine, we, we back in the, when you're early 20s and you got roommates, it's like the concept is I'll come home. Let's all hang out in the living room and watch TV. And, and back then, I think we had one TV in the house and uh, Internet, but nothing really to distract us all. You know, it was like uh, this is what we did and different time. And this is an anti-Internet rant. Uh, now, uh, I would imagine it might be a little different, even if you're in your twenties, you each could kind of live in your own orbit by yourself there. Uh, but back then, a little bit, but even then school work, everything, you got to find out, uh, go find what out the, what, what is out there for you and forage for friends. And I didn't understand it. It just was like, these are going to be my friends forever. And again, they are, but on a day-to-day basis, it's important to gather and connect you know, the people around you connect with the people around you and it just kind of happens, but you have to do it. And I, I do remember being so lonely and afraid early on in my time in Los Angeles, working at this movie theater, hoping that there'd be some leftover hot dogs so that I may take them home, not steal them. You could take, take the leftover movie theater, hot dogs, take them home, a little packet of ketchup, little uh, plastic clamshell holders and sit there and at three in the morning, eat a hot dog by myself and wondering what the hell am I doing in this town and how the hell am I going to get my goals made? How many, how many of my dreams come true? How am I going to do this? And it's the support around you, the network around you. And that slowly starts to build and you have to be open to it and also be open to that. There could be changes along the way. And sometimes there's nasty things about leaving friends, uh, you know, disconnecting with some people. And that happens. And that does happen. It can be painful and hard. Uh, and and it sometimes it catches you off guard. But uh, other times it happens naturally. And don't be afraid of that. And don't be open. Um, when I met guy, I, I, guys like, uh, along the way, I met guys like Steve and Alex. And, and it's like, you immediately connect. And you feel, and you got to foster that and let it grow. You don't force it. You know, I haven't shown up at Steve's house with a crock pot. And said, I'm, I'm coming in with soup. Do you make soup in a crock pot? I don't know. Um, but the connections grow, the trust grows, and I do believe in chapters and cycles and and, and people around you for reasons. That's that's one of the reasons I'm really excited for a lot of you to get to know Alex a little bit better on this project. Uh, he's got a great story, a great story of experiencing success that turned into failure and what that is about and how do you get past that and work through that. It's, it's a great thing. Uh, I really do like what he's got to say. We're going to hear that here in a bit. 
But before we do, we do want to uh, take care of a little business and give a shout out to my high uh, high tier executive producer tier uh, supporters on Patreon, patreon.com slash Ken Apsock. It makes a lot of things possible, and I can't do it without people like Thomas Risling, Aletha Logan X, Matthew Simon, Bador, Matt Thompson, Taymor, and his brothers Abdul and Rafe, and then Donna Long, Nathan Novendale, so first rate Nate, Zach Anderson, and my friend Ty Schallenberger. And there's a case, uh, you know, I, I, I shout Ty's name out for a lot of episodes. I mean, he is a high tier supporter of me, and he, he believes in what I'm doing. Uh, and he's also got a better job than me right now, let's face it. Um, but Ty and I, we're like best friends in 10th grade. And then, uh, you know, end of high school, we weren't as close and then lost contact. But then, uh, you know, it was harder back in the day. Friends through MySpace started to change the game, believe it or not. And then high school reunion, my 10-year high school reunion, he's there and we got to connect a little bit more. And then uh, there'd be long phone calls when he was he had went out to New York and he had to work out there and be separated from his family for years at a time. And some stuff and some tragic things that happened. And, and, and it's amazing. I remember it. I remember early on, and, and and I believe Ty's possibly listening, um, but early on we'd, we'd reconnect or get on a phone call together when, you know, people talk on phones. And it felt weird, like, oh, well, Ty, Ty was an old friend. Ty was an old friend, right? We went to high school together, and we had a 10th grade. We're hand-in-hand hand as, as pals, man, like Wayne and Garth, man. And, uh, not when I, okay, we weren't lit. Well, there was one time we literally were hand in hand. Um, you know what I mean? Like we wanted to write a movie together, all these kind of things. And, and then, you know, again, thing changes. We go to, he, he went up to a different part of the state and I went to LA, all these things. And you kind of, you know, you, you lose contact or you're not as close and that's fine. But I remember here we are, we're trying to connect. We're on the phone. And I remember thinking in my head, well, you know, Ty, Ty's like an old friend. Like he's not like my current friend. He's like an old friend, and and that's like it's almost like a nostalgia trip, right? And that wasn't fair. That wasn't fair to him or me because it wasn't like we were having a good, weren't having good phone calls and connecting and laughing over being fans of the Giants and the Dolphins or things like that. But it was like, no, this is the new phase. This is the new phase, and you can't be tenth grade again. It's now. It's now, and you have to be open to those changes in friendship and what it means. So uh, I say that name every week, Ty uh, Schallenberg, one of my executive producer supporters. And that's a, a case in point of what friends can be. Uh, a lot of things are, are possible here on Patreon uh, and coming in October. Well, Hey, we're in October pretty soon, middle of the month. I'm going to have my first broadcast of inside why we love star Wars. It's available to all patrons. And it is a look at my book. Why we love star Wars kind of essay by essay. We'll go to a couple essays at a time. You ask some questions. First one's going to be pre-recorded but I'm going to do some live ones. And if you've uh, you know read the book, have some questions, or just want to talk Star Wars with me and get some information on my thoughts uh, and things I wrote in there, including some of the mistakes, some things I wish I weren't in there, some things I absolutely love that maybe other people didn't connect to as much, all that will be um, will be there, uh, will be part of... Uh, of the uh, show, and and it's going to be great. We also have the KZOC radio broadcast. Uh, I owe two. I owe everyone two for the month of October. It got a little busy. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of uh, what's going on, and I appreciate everyone over there considering supporting or just spreading the word and checking it out. Uh, don't forget, coming up, doing comedy in Washington, D.C. with Mr. Mark Ellis on November 16th, two shows at the Comedy Loft. Go to markellislive.net. And speaking of stand-up and Patreon, I, you know, I posted my San Diego Comic-Con set and my hosting set with Josh McCuga, uh, uh to my Patreon page. They got to watch it. Uh, they got to watch it uh, 
Uh, it's exclusive to them because the sound quality uh, wasn't the best, uh, so I can't use it for uh, much public consumption. But I, but it's uh, you know here's a here's a preview. You don't want to be the snore guy. You, you love it when you're a kid. What do you want to be? I want to be an astronaut. RB3 laughing near the camera there. Um, got so funny. I'm listening to that now, and that joke has already changed. That's what I love about stand-up comedy, finding uh, better ways to craft the jokes and material. But that's on there. A uh, special gift to my Patreon supporters there. So without further ado, we're going to take a quick break here in the Napslick Files. On the other side, Alex Backus from Black Series Rebels in here, but talking about his comic book and a lot more than just talking Star Wars on YouTube. Stick around. This is the Napslick Files. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broadcasting from beautiful Burbank, California, where the raccoons come to stay. This is the Knapsack Files. I'm Ken Knapsack for another edition of The Interview. I love doing these, getting a chance to sit down with people I know and respect in this industry and digging beneath the headlines to find out what makes them click. Gee, that sounded really good. I'm trying to work on that. But how are you all doing here? This is an episode that is going to be interesting because this guest that I have here now, it's his first time on Knapsack Files proper, I do believe. Definitely been on Force Center. I uh, show up on his Star Wars show that he is one half of. Please welcome one half of Black Series Rebels, Alex Backus. Welcome, my friend. Welcome. I love that. Every second of that, I love. <laughs> Every second. Every second. Just, let's knock it off. Like That's good. Cut. Alex Backus on Twitter. <laughs> That's it. That was the most amazing. I got chills. I felt the hype. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I got chills. They're multiplying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's electrified. <laughs> uh, Steve Ellis not here today. He's the other half of the great show, Black Series Rebels. And look, this is going to be interesting. It's kind of scary ground because Alex and I, and all the times we've been on shows together, we haven't... Well, we've always talked Star Wars, and we haven't gone beyond that. Alex, are you ready to go beyond Star Wars? You know what? It's weird. It's not the only thing that absorbs my life. I have other things going on, so I'm 
I'm both excited and nervous to bear my creative soul. It's and, and that's actually what I want to talk about. A lot of things I want to talk about, but we're going to dig into that of, of when you get known for something in a sphere mm. and then you try to either try something new or go back to whence you were uh, or where you always are. And then uh, that can be scary. That can be out of your comfort zone. And then also for uh, listeners and supporters and fan base, they could be like, what are you doing? Please talk about Lando. And that's part of the fun and challenge of being creative in not just this city, but everywhere. We do want to take care of some business first. All right, Alex, are you ready for business? I love business. Our first caller's got tickets. I don't know. I feel extra radio today. <laughs> yes. um, you have got a, a comical booklet. Is a, a graphic novel. How would you refer to it? What do you want to be? Re- it's called Infinite Bros. Called Infinite Bros. Created by Alex yep. Bass- Backus and Cody Williams. He's doing the illustration. You're doing the writing. And I'm sure some crossover in between. You took some crayons and drew some pictures. <laughs> at one point there I, there I assure you i drew nothing in this book <laughs> i i did no design i did no coloring i did no line work i am solely responsible there you, there you for the writing and the scripting and then i tell him what i think should go in the panel and then he takes that and makes it better can you move the thing to the thing yeah, oh okay. yeah i mean it's it's very i like that sometimes yeah. i will say oh you know what might make the joke pop more as if it's like this and he'll go oh yeah i see that let's yeah. try that but I take zero credit for anything visually you are looking in that book. Cody is a genius. Smart man. And anyone who listens to Black Series Rebels and knows our pins and knows our merchandise and knows how we like to sort of brand our show, Cody is the genius behind all of that as well. That is Cody. So this, this Ewok set that I have right in my hand, that murder bear pin set, every single thing was designed by Cody on That's that. Great. He's great. He's great. He is the best. The sign of a really smart person is to attach themselves to smarter, more talented people. Uh, uh, and you would, you and Steve and myself, that's a good model we try to live by. I pride myself on knowing people more talented than me. <laughs> I mean, I consider you two, <laughs> you and Steve in that group too. I'm like, <laughs> I, uh, you know, uh, want to attach myself to you guys more and more. But this is, I say comical booklet is a reference to Mr. Burns, but uh, comic book graphic novel, which, do, w- 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 how are you approaching it? So it is a, it is a comic book that we are hoping will come out about every three to four months. So quarterly. And we are self-publishing it. We're doing Great. it full DIY. Not DIY. We're, we're getting DUIs and releasing a comic all. No, no. <laughs> we're doing it all DIY, do-it-yourself yeah. punk rock style. We're printing it. We're publishing it. We are doing everything ourselves so we can have full creative control. Right. And, that, I mean, that's that's always been kind of what gets me excited. That's why BSR looks the way that it looks. That's right. why I've always sort of done the things the way that I do them creatively, mm. whether it's making a web series or a television pilot or whatever it is I'm working on at the moment. Mm. I grew up in the Bay Area, California, yeah. and there's this, it's going to sound so pretentious, but there's this, there's you, a, it's already pretentious enough when you say Northern California, yeah, we, we, get, we get who you are. Uh, yeah. I grew up just outside of Oakland in Northern California. Um, and, uh, but there's a, there's something that I felt was sort of ingrained in me early, which is this, like, if no one's going to let you do something, just go out and do it yourself. Punk mm-hmm. rock style, mm-hmm. because everybody wants to do creative things. So yeah. you have to take full creative control of your destiny. So that's our that's kind of our motto. And look, and that that's always something that's been there and uh, possible for a lot of people. But now more than ever, you can do that and yes. make an impact. Yes, and it becomes even it's more possible and plausible and, and more powerful too as a creator. Yeah, and I'm and I'm like you as well. You know, I've I've worked for some mm-hmm. larger companies. I mean, yeah. one, the biggest one that comes to mind. There's a mouse for their mascot. <laughs> <laughs> they are. It, it was the most amazing experience, but right. also. Um, 
the hardest experience mm-hmm. as a creative because you know we you know we can we can transition this into Star Wars talk or just in general you take me. but you take me buddy. you know the, the big thing that I learned working there is just how much work mm. goes into every single little thing that is put in front of us content wise sometimes there's not a lot of work and it shows and sometimes yeah. there's a lot of work and it really shows and yeah while working for the mouse mm. I um I learned a lot about myself as a creative and what I like and what I don't like. Mm. And I don't know that I like the, the big bad boogeyman behind me, making sure that I'm doing exactly what needs to be done the way it needs to be done. And when that television pilot that I was working on didn't go, that was a, it was a heart heartbreaking thing. You, you sold this pilot, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a uh, part of a, uh, everyone who moves to LA with a, with a pen and, and a pad of paper wants to sell a pilot at some yeah. point. And, and it's, it's very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, so that's like a dream. Yay. And then it kind of, not necessarily go bad, but go, it doesn't go the way you plan. How, yes. how did you, that, how did you, what'd you learn from that experience other than what you're just talking well, about? Well, the biggest thing I learned was, is I moved down to LA to be an actor and a comedian. Okay. Like that's all I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I wanted to improvise, work yeah. for the second city and then audition for TV shows and then get to be a funny guy on the office. And that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And in turn, that sort of led me down this path of touring and doing improv for on cruise ships and around the okay. country and at festivals. And I fell in love with improvisation mm. as a tool for acting. Yeah. And what I learned through that process was, is that I actually really loved writing. So when I got back from touring, mm. And I was just auditioning for the same 15 companies for commercials. Like I always jokingly say, like, I can't talk about hot pockets anymore. I can't sell any more cheesy gordita crunches. Like I've done, (laughs) I've paid my dues in in the, in the fast food realm. Like I've sold, I mean, I've worked for all, I've I've done commercials for Del Taco. I've done Arby's. I've done, um, Oh my hot pockets. I've done, I know. I mean, I've done so many of them that I can't even remember how many <laughs> fast food products. Was I've there sold. ever a point where you walked into the room and the and and, and the people were like, "Wait, this guy's sold tacos already. He can't sell our tacos." <laughs> well, it's weird. I have like taco conflicts, <laughs> so it'll say like when I I'll come in, hey, I, I can't. I can't go out for El Pollo Loco this month. I've got a Del Taco running. And they're like, oh, yeah, sorry. We forgot you're on taco conflict right now. (laughs) I mean, the big one was always, for some reason, I just look like a guy that Mm. really, I'm an aspirational cell phone guy, I guess. Like, I guess me holding a cell phone, people look at me and go, I want to be that guy. That guy has a plan I want. I want to be that guy. So I've done Apple. I did a lot of AT&T stuff, some Verizon stuff. So I just was doing the same sort of mm. thing over and over again. And I'm not complaining in LA, yeah. any way you can pay the bills being creative is a huge win. I was very, very, very difficult, very lucky to not have to wait tables to yeah. be an actor. I was able to be an actor to be an actor. Yeah. And I say about a year after just really grinding after touring and just auditioning for the same stuff, I just, wanted to tell my stories. I wanted to tell things that were personal to me and I knew I had the ability to do it. I was just afraid to do it. And I had just started dating my now wife. Okay. And she said, you know, you've always had this idea about a guy that lives with a little tiny shark roommate. Why don't you just, just write it, just give it a shot. So I said, okay, totally low. Sorry, st- but how long have you had that idea You're, since your childhood when you thought you had a shark living with you? <laughs> no, no. Like, where does this come <laughs> no. from? I mean, where does that come from? <laughs> it came from, I, 
this is going to sound again, really pretentious, but, uh, you've read save the cat. I assume. Yes, yeah. absolutely. One and two. Yeah. So save the cat for folks listening at home is it's a really great sort of screenwriting Bible. It, it kind of helps you figure out what kind of story you want to tell the best ways to tell it. And if you're ever having trouble writing a script, just look up a movie you love, ask for the save the cat breakdown and replace all the characters with your characters. <laughs> you have yourself a great movie. Just change all the details and then write your script. Yep. Uh, I, I love the books that and your screenplay sucks are, are, are the best screenplay books. Steal like an and, artist and writing for uh, fun and profit by yes. uh, Robert Ben Grant and Thomas Lennon. Yeah. Yeah. Steal like an artist is there what they go. say. Find what you love and then make it your own and personal. And I always had this opening image in my head of a guy riding his bike down Venice beach with a little tiny shark, <laughs> Marty McFlying behind him on a little penny board. And my buddy drew it for me, Cody, Cody drew it for me. And he, Cody was like, Cody's one of these guys that just figures out something fun to do and just starts doing it. So he goes, Hey, I'm I'm making puppets now. (laughs) I was like, of course you are. Can you make a shark puppet? Yeah, no problem. So he just makes me a shark puppet. I got a little SLR camera and started shooting these shorts and it got some buzz really sure. quickly. Like that was early YouTube days when, right, when right, making right. your own stuff was really a big deal. Like people were really yeah. impressed by it. Now it's like, what are you making? Are you yeah, making yeah. your own stuff? And are you 13 and what? Exactly. How many yeah. You're 13 with 10 million subscribers. Like yeah. I, oh, I wish, I wish I was 13 with 10 million subscribers. <laughs> That's not what I am. And I, I, uh, we got a call from a company called Mosaic at the yeah. time. So that's at the time it was Will Ferrell, Adam McKay, and I think Apatow. Okay. I think I could be wrong. Cor- correct me in the comments that don't yeah. exist yeah. on this podcast. And the guy said, I love this. You should write it as a pilot and just shoot it and see what happens. Great. Yeah. So, all right. So I just got together as much money as I could scrounge. I found a bunch of, fellow hungry creatives. And we shot a pilot in North Hollywood about, I would say seven years ago. It totally is like a, it was a 22 minute thing. We did the whole thing. Did a full pilot. Okay. Yeah. Full pilot, full pilot. And we screened it at IO West Mm -hmm. on a shitty DVD. I I can swear. Is that a shitty DVD? My mom gets mad at you, but sorry, Ken's mom. I'll do my best. Uh, And we screened it on a DVD projector for five people. And a woman in the audience happened to work for Gersh, which is a massive agency in Los Angeles. And she emailed us the next day and said, I can sell this. You need to come down to my office just by, just by doing it getting out there and doing it yourself and making your thing and sticking to your guns and telling the story that you want to tell, which basically is just a guy and a shark roommate trying to be cool in Los Angeles. It's no different than what my story was. I just had a fun shark puppet. (laughs) I had a a puppet of a shark named Spielberg. Yeah. That was my best friend based off my real experience of living in North Hollywood at the time. Yeah. And we pitched it all over town for two years. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So every time you yell at Ryan Johnson, just remember, <laughs> just remember. Alex isn't pointing at me. He's pre, pointing at you. Yeah. I'm look, look, pointing at you. Angry <laughs> Ryan Johnson tweeter. Just remember that before any of that happened, he had to pitch for two and a half, three and a half, four and a half years to get yeah. something made. And it was dead. It was dead. It's a live action pub thing. Dead. And I was like, all right, well, let's move into the next thing. Yeah. First woman I pitched was working at a company called hub at mm. the time, which was owned by Hasbro, which That's is basically right. where yep. you could watch My Little Pony or Transformers. Yep. She had just transferred over to Disney, gave us a call and said, hey, you guys were my favorite pitch I ever got at Hub that I wasn't able to sign. 
Right. I want you to come pitch it at Disney, but can you pitch it as an animated show? No problem. Called up Cody, called up my buddy Neil, who was working on it at the time. Two of us got together. Neil was a director. I was a writer. Cody was a designer. Boom. Two weeks, hammered out an animation treatment for it, went in, pitched it. Two weeks later, I was at Disneyland for my birthday, got the call from Disney. We're, we're going to develop this as a television show. I'm on the Matterhorn right now. I mean, I was. I was like, I'm. I was outside. If you know Disneyland at all, yeah. there's a there's a smoking area. I wasn't yes. smoking. There's a smoking area just outside the main entrance to the park. Yeah. And I was sitting there by myself, and all my buddies were still inside with my then girlfriend, mm. riding rides. Like, let me just go take this call real quick from Disney. Let me see. Let me just let me just get the no. Yeah. And then I'll go back to enjoying the theme park. And there's mm. like, hey, what are you guys doing? Yeah, we're interested. We're gonna we're gonna do this. Mm. And I remember being at that theme park in that experience. And I'm not a spiritual guy. I am the furthest from that. Gotcha. That was the first moment I felt like what I'm doing, I'm supposed to be doing and Mm. somebody wants me to be doing it. And what specifically about that? I I understand what you're saying. I think it was the fact that I was there Mm -hmm. at a place like Disneyland for me as a kid, I'm a California kid. Yeah. Disneyland is like, especially for a California kid, and I'm sure kids from Florida probably feel the same way about Disney World, because it was so accessible as a young kid, that was like the easy family vacation. Sure. My parents worked basically my entire childhood. They worked nine to five jobs. They were gone. I had a babysitter, and they would make a really strong effort for us to have good family vacations because we weren't spending a lot of time unless it was together Saturday and Sunday. And Disneyland just became this place that inspired me and made me, I don't know what it's so cheesy and lame to say, but like something about it, I just felt like this weird pull to it and to have this thing that I created get this massive validation while I was there celebrating my birthday, friendship, life, just having a good time, getting that call. I just sort of thought, Oh, this is it. This is going to be it. This is my thing. And is it also with the journey too of, you know, I don't know where you met Cody, but you run into him, you got Neil, you got this two year journey, this ladies in the crowd, another lady likes to pitch, can't take it, which happens a lot in the mm-hmm. business. I love it. My boss doesn't want this or, yeah. and that journey, you look back and go, Oh, all the things all lined up, things, yeah. all the things have to line up for you to even get the opportunity to see if they'll line up again. Right. It's right, always right, right. things lining up. Like it, it's not just. Oh, you sold a show. Now you have a show. It's like, okay, cool. You're going into development. There were then 15 more stages before we even got to pilot writing. Yeah. You know, we had to get approved all Mm -hmm. these steps along the way, whether it was great, write us a treatment, write us a show Bible, write us this, write us that, show us characters, write character descriptions, go here, go here, go here, go here. And everything was a little check mark. Yeah. We got as far as you could get, as far as As you could get without being on TV. Like that we got as far and it took a year and a half and that's after two years of pitching after After a year of creating on your own. I'm sure it was two years of creating on our own. Yeah. Two years of pitching and then a year and a half of development. So when all of a sudden does about four and a half years and none of this takes away that spiritual moment or what you felt in that thing, but yeah, then it doesn't go the way you think. Yeah. And it, and and it wasn't because of the project. It was because of things I couldn't control. Right. They called us and, you know, they could have been being nice, but I, I take some comfort in. We were number three okay. of 18 shows that were pitched for pilot. One was a DuckTales reboot, which went. And the other was a show from the creator of Phineas and Ferb. 
So mm. what are you going to do? Like, I yeah. can't compete with a guy that's already made Disney millions and millions of dollars <laughs> off of an IP. And I knew that. That's yeah. okay. That's it, okay. I mean, in the moment, it hurt. Like, you want to yeah. talk about the opposite of that call at Disneyland? Being in yeah. your office where you've done all that work, surrounded by all the printed papers and mm. the drawings and the puppets and everything, getting that call, them saving you for the end of the day, so that they don't have to have a bad day at work. It's the Bob Sugar lunch and Jerry Maguire. They're going to fire you in the public. Were you on the lot? Was your office on the lot or was it? No, this we, we worked okay. from home, but we would go in probably once every two weeks for, lot. Gotcha. for meetings. We did some writing sessions there, some designs, watching a lot of unmade pilots too. They would oh, bring yeah. us in and they would show us unmade stuff and be like, all right, this is what works, mm-hmm. this is what doesn't. Mm-hmm. For us, and the weird thing about that show specifically, Shark Bites, was the original pitch was always imagine if a children's show grew up with its audience. And then you were just watching like if Doug was now for adults or Calvin and Hobbes was now for adults. And not that it was like by adult, I don't mean super bad. I just mean playing with themes that, that adults can relate to like paying rent or entering the dating scene. Yeah. Hobbes isn't, Passed out on whiskey. Yeah. And, ha- yeah. And ha- yeah. yeah. It's not like yeah. that. It's yeah. like Hobbs is a barista. <laughs> you know, Hobbs is like, he's, he wants, Hobbs wants to be a graphic designer, but yeah, yeah. he's got to pay the bills, you know, working at the hot new, you know, <laughs> raw vegan restaurant. Like it was that kind yeah, of yeah. a thing. And the problem was when we aged it down, it lost sort of like its real appealing quality and then just became almost like a 90s nostalgic kid show in gotcha. an era that maybe a 90s nostalgic kid show doesn't really need to be a thing. And that, did that come from the bosses from the mouse house? The, like that big change. That, I think that's more just what I've sort of like okay. taken in. I've tried, I mean, I've had many a year to process what didn't happen. And sure. I think that's kind of what I've realized. Like, a, I'm not as, you know, I'm not ducktails and I'm not the creator yeah, yeah. of SpongeBob and, or the creator of Phineas and Ferb. And I'm just, you know, telling a story that's unique and personal to me. And, you know, unfortunately it mm. didn't, didn't work that way, but I mean, it created a, tons of relationships. I'm still mm. very close with all those amazing people I got to work with at Disney. Yeah. They were, I mean, I learned more from that experience in hindsight than I realized at the time. Right. It, just because it didn't go doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Yeah. If that makes sense. And makes sense indeed. Yeah. Everybody in Los Angeles, creatives, people that don't live in LA, I think creatives have a tendency to get obsessed with the results and not the process. Mm, mm, and yeah, that's a really hard thing to learn. And I've started to really implement it into my creative work, which is I want to worry more about enjoying every minute I get to create mm. than every minute I get to be done creating and get people's opinions on it. I, I, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. And that's not me being a jerk. It's just no, me no. saying, I, I can't care what you think about it because if right. I care what you think about my work, A, it will taint me and mm-hmm. I will try to course correct for you. And B, I didn't create it for you. I yeah. created it for me. Yeah. And if it's something you love, please come along for the ride. And that was yeah. the biggest thing I learned from that. The, the most amazing thing I learned is that tell stories that are personal, mm-hmm. tell stories that are for you and care about the act of doing it not about the results. So because that show didn't go, doesn't mean the show never existed or that yeah. it wasn't good. I mean, I still, or that the journey didn't yeah. teach you and reward you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that I'll, I think a lot of people know that's mm. what LA's like, but sure. that's not what's talked about. Right. Mm-mm, like mm-mm. when, when, you know, XYZ creator is interviewed about whatever amazing new 
IP they're making for Marvel or Star yeah. Wars. They're not like, hey, so uh, tell us about all the projects that didn't go for 15 <laughs> years. And they're not, you know, they don't want to talk about it. They want to, they want to talk about the new amazing thing they're yeah. working on. And I will tell you, like, if I'm being, I feel comfortable with you. I, it was, it was not, it was not a good, mm. not a good two years yeah. after that, that pass. I, <laughs> these lessons don't just spring yeah, yeah. on your, yeah, yeah. your soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, uh, and Steve will tell you if anybody yeah. knows it's yeah. Steve, like he saw it, he saw it firsthand. I withered yeah. into mm. a useless creative list. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was like, I got nothing. That's it. I'm done. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Thank you. LA. I'm done. <laughs> I sell hot pockets. I'm done. Like yeah. it was basically like, okay, that was fun. Yeah. And I was really lucky to have an amazing friend like Steve yeah, who just kind of lifted me up and was like, dude, you're good, man. You're really good at what you do. Trust what you do. Right. It doesn't matter what it is. Just get out there and write and, it, and make stuff and do things. And it took a long time. Mm-hmm. And I am more grateful for black series rebels, not because people buy the pins, mm-hmm. not because star Wars is cool and people watch it, but because it forced me to get out of my, depression about creating and just do what I do best. Even if it's something as easy as talking about star Wars, like, mm-hmm. you know, there are, I'm yeah. sure there are a lot of podcasters that listen to this show that are sure. fans of colliders and make their own things, but creative choices even go into something like making a podcast. You're yeah. deciding on your theme music. You're deciding on what you're going to talk about. You have to creatively come up with a unique and fresh take and spin on what you're talking about and little right. things like that it just sort of reminded me of what it was like being an improviser. Yeah. Every week going to the set. New choice, new choice. Yes. yes. And yes. And new choice, yes. new choice. Yes, yes, yes. Just joking around with Steve, yeah. joking about star Wars, just laughing with a friend and slowly, but surely mm. it just started to come back. All these little ideas that Your I had. Juices, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All my real, my, and I don't, I don't mean real as in BSR is not real, but my original idea started to sort of percolate again. And the other creative stuff outside of yeah. uh, a YouTube Star Wars show, it's, which we're not t- talking down. Obviously we know no. both great Star Wars YouTubers, uh, Alex, much Molly, better, Cameron, yeah, <laughs> much Greta. better than what we, yeah, yeah, no, I get it. But yeah, um, I think I'm, I'm in a weird period too, where I got off on that tangent of great jobs, getting me out of my day job, screen junkies collider, and then suddenly going, Oh, but, but, but I want to do a silly character that's talking about the yeah. paranormal. I want to do this. I want to do mm-hmm. that. And, and, five people appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and you just kind of release it into the world and, and then you move on, but build something bigger the next yeah. time. And, and, and those juices come back. You know, I think sometimes people forget online when they're talking to mm-hmm. podcasters and creators and people that make content that, well, yeah, you might not agree with them. They might say some things that you think are problematic or that you think are wrong. Mm-hmm. And it, it's very easy to scream at them and forget that they are mm. still a creative on that other side. And it's no different really than screaming at, yeah. you know, someone who's mad about what star Wars thing you didn't like, or what Batman thing you don't like or whatever, mm. whatever thing game of Thrones. I mean, you've yeah. got a game of Thrones show. I can't imagine what that last season was like, yeah. you know, took away my joy for the first time. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, it's not good to, be afraid to express yourself creatively. And what's good about having Steve and BSR and this podcast was it taught me like, no man, you know how this works. It's Mm. eyes forward and just do your own thing and just be positive and luminous and Mm. excited about what you're doing. People will come along for that ride. Try not to play too much into the negativity. And over the last year, just 
forcing myself to be incredibly positive and luminous, I've been able to reignite uh, mm. the creative fire for writing in a way that was just not there after yeah. Disney passed on my show. After you took that big swing. And it's so weird. I mean, just to hear the numbers, the, the years, uh, the concepts, getting in the rooms, and then you get it and you're working on it. And you're thinking, here's the Porsche I'm going to buy. And then you are three out of 18 shows. That is that is probably 17 shows that didn't go forward. And 17 dreams that got challenged. 17 careers that hit an obstacle. You have to learn to, you have to, learn, to learn from that more than the success. You have to. You know what's really weird, too? Yeah. That just you bringing that up, the Porsche you're going to buy, or the yeah. this, the that. I started collecting Black Series figures mm. because I wanted them for my office at Disney. Wow, yeah. No joke. I got those. I started collecting these toys because I was like, I'm going to have an office at Disney and I'm going to be able to show off my collectibles. And these new black series toys are so cool. And Steve, as a congratulations for selling the show, Mm. bought me a Bespin Luke black series figure because he knew he was my favorite. And it's funny how all those little things, they kind of line up in a way yeah. that maybe you don't, again, not a spiritual dude, but things have a tendency to, <laughs> to work themselves you, out. You're saying that, but I'm listening to you now. I'm like, I'm not, he is, uh, I'm not, he is the second coming. <laughs> oh is. my gosh. Alex really thinks destiny plays a big role in what he does. No, I really don't. I just, it's just funny how all those little things well, have to line up. I am, I am a, a, a spiritual guy who, who likes a baby Jesus and Iron Man and all that stuff, but like. You can't. You, the, I do believe in uh, that old story of uh, God sent me a boat and a boat shows up and you're like, no, I, I want a ship. Uh, it, it, it it's your work and and how you approach it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always talk about it over in Force Center Joseph's favorite Qui Gon quote of your focus determines your reality, and that's what you're talking about too. You 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 you're 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 learning these lessons. You're having to go in the dumps and and be open to coming back because yeah. you could have said cool we're done i joke all the time i'm moving to montana done with this youtube stuff i'm not talking about star war no more yeah um but your focus determines reality and what you get out of this yeah. stuff my uh, my wife always says the 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 luckier you are the harder you're working yeah like it's really a matter of if you put in the effort and you make the strong commitment to what you're doing you'd be surprised how many things yeah end up working out and just being a nice person too. Yeah, I mean, well, that that helps too. Like, <laughs> hey, don't be a dick, bro. <laughs> That's yeah. Simple. No, I, yeah, no. I th- I see some people who who do a lot of great things, but still struggle and are still struggling. And uh, you'll find some evidence of people just looking at them and going, "They're just using me." Yeah. And and the energy is felt. And then uh, you know, I, I try never to be like that. I try mm-hmm. to, you know, I hope I'm not. Um, yeah. And you find the ones who are like, "Cool, let's 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 see what we can do together." Yeah together versus yeah i'm giving you the gift of airtime (laughs) (laughs) the gift the gift of airtime now give me your life back i give you the gift of just being able to give me content (laughs) and it's funny you and and you and steve now so black series rebels we'll talk a little bit about that bsr uh it's been going on for two years yeah we're nearing two and a half years and this is a star wars youtube talk show uh and look there's a lot of those and i met you guys at an event i i was aware of some of the stuff Maybe clicked on your show a few times here and there. Oh, these are fun guys. And, you know, but I, this is what I do. And I don't watch a lot of Star Wars shows. I apologize. A lot of people are like, hey, did you hear my Star Wars podcast? Nah, I, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but you guys do an event close to me at, at a comic book shop. And I went over just to see what they're, because it was art. It wasn't like we're going to sit and debate Snoke. You guys do these pins and they're really cool and this and that. And uh, 
Especially guys. And initially it was, yeah, without a doubt, it's like you guys had watched Man Collider. So it's like, oh, they are a, a fan of my work. Cool. And that can, you can, I could take that approach, but immediately upon, and I came on your show and everything, uh, there's just uh, all this, all the stuff you're talking about is seems to be in focus over there. You guys know what you're doing. You know what you're capable of beyond your numbers and you have vision and everything. And that's from a lot of probably failures yeah. that you and Steve have gone through. Yeah. I don't know. People don't realize even when you've got 200 views, how much work really goes into creating weekly video <laughs> content you, hourly. I mean, without getting, getting too much in the weeds, cause I get a lot too. And believe me, I would love to have my own daily live stream show and everything. I'm one man Yeah, uh, with two chihuahuas now to help me. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys drive far mm-hmm. to a uh, beautiful Chatsworth, California, uh, in traffic that can be up to an hour. You drive there, you shoot for hours, you download the video, video, downloading video takes a long time. Mm-hmm. Editing. You got an editor, you got to pay the editor. You got to do this. Uh, that's just for one episode and you got to do that every week. Yeah. So you got to be committed even in, for whatever, whatever thing you're doing. And that's not including the hours of social media promotion, the emails, the creating Mm. an email list to, Mm. uh, to, for the pins to go up so that we are not just racking up credit card debt while we're making this show. So we have, we have to have a way of Mm -hmm. getting some income so that we're not just like, cause I mean it, like, like you said, got to pay the editor, got to pay the rent. You can, that's, that studio isn't in our house. We have, we have a spot where we rent all the way up in Chatsworth and yeah. we got to drive all the way there, which means gas, which means food. Yeah. And we really do try to run it like a real production. We try mm-hmm. to make it, it, it is practice yeah. for Steve and I, Steve is the m- most talented producer. I know it's great. He makes, he makes nothing, something out of nothing mm. every single week. And I'm lucky to have somebody that sees my creative vision and, has a passion for helping yeah. someone fulfill their creative vision. It's mm-hmm. a very hard thing to find Steve yep. to find a, someone who is passionate about helping creatives be creative is a I'm so lucky mm-hmm. to have Steve. And he is on top of that also creatively yeah, he's, yeah, and strong. Yeah. So it, we just have an amazing, we're, I'm very lucky to have such an amazing partner on that show. And it works out and the sky's the limit there. And, and, and with this creative uh, energy that comes back uh, to you full, full force, you start working on this infinite bro, infinite bros story comic. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. I can read, certainly I can read the, the log line, but nah, don't bother. You know, that, that do stuff's going to change. It's fluid, yeah. baby. Uh, so infinite bros actually mm-hmm. to go all the way back to Disney passing on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neil, Cody and I, we instantly went, well, we, we got to get another show right away. We got to sure. get right back in there. We have to get momentum, right, baby momentum, momentum. And I, within a, two weeks, yeah. I came up with this idea. I found my, my, my uh, my opening image, yeah. which was two guys playing laser tag, two little kids playing laser tag in the East Bay area. And while they're playing laser tag, a real alien comes in and they are in real space battle. Right. That right. was the idea. Nothing else. And I slammed out a TV show idea. Nice. We slammed out art. We slammed out everything. We had a pitchable show in, in three, four months. Beautiful. Don't do that. <laughs> Never do that <laughs> unless you are... You know, Vince Gilligan, don't do it. Take your time. And it just went. Yeah. yeah. It just, I was doing it for all the wrong reasons. All I wanted to do was try to get back to a place where I could say I'm about to sell a show. I didn't care about the process. I cared only about the result. You you wanted to have that moment at a party. Yep. What are you working on? I just sold a show. 
I mean, you, oh my gosh, you are, you just nailed you. That's exactly what it is. You desperately want to be able to tell someone that you're working on something cool and it just fell like a thud. And then Cody moved to Portland. He left LA. He's like, I had LA. This sucks. I'm going to Portland. I was like, it's cool, man. We can work on G chat. And Neil is killing it. Okay. Neil is killing it at this point. He is, I believe at this point, he is creative director for all star Wars video games. Right. So he's killing it. He's Neil, Neil, Neil's just fine. He's good. He's good. And I called up Cody about a year ago and I said, Hey man, I'm feeling really creatively energized. I want to transition fully out of acting and into writing and directing okay. 110%. I'm all in. And Cody said, I've been waiting for this call. <laughs> I've been waiting for you to say you're ready to really dive yeah. back in. And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, you're the most talented illustrator I know and I want to write and it's a lot cheaper to make a comic book than it is to make a movie or an animated movie or make puppets or whatever. I said, why don't we, let's just write a comic book, you and I, and and we'll just make this a weekly, no matter what on Tuesday we meet Mm -hmm. and we just start working on the comic book. Right. And since January of 2019, we never broke our promise Mm -hmm. once a week we got on I would show him what I wrote. He would show me what he drew. And we had just slowly but surely worked our way back into the process. And we decided that it was going to be infinite bros. And what I'm the most proud of with this comic is that when it first was a thing, it was, I did everything to try and make something that could get sold. Mm. And I completely erased that from my brain. And I just said, Alex, what is a story that is going to delight you and surprise you? And when you're done with it, it'll, it'll be from your heart and your soul. And that thing that it'll it'll be the most personal story you've ever told. And it slowly turned from being about these kids that, you know, fight aliens Mm -hmm. into these kids that maybe aren't the most popular Mm -hmm. cool kids from Northern California in the year 1996. And when you read chapter one, you'll find out that they're soon on a star Wars, Indiana Jones esque adventure into a future that I think would be pretty radical. It's called the Radosphere. They end up in an alternate reality called the Radosphere. And we've basically, we've really begun playing with this idea of nostalgia, Mm. what it means to be a 30 something year old dude, guy, girl, whatever, living Mm. in a world that may be isn't exactly what you thought it was going to be. Maybe it doesn't have a, a, a place for you, whether yeah. maybe Disney's going to pass on your show and you <laughs> thought it was going to work out. And yeah. it's really become this really sort of deep personal story in a way that I didn't, I didn't anticipate when we started working on it. And now every, every day I go to go to work on it, I just get a little more excited because it's, yeah. it's so insane. The concept. Yeah. I'm really excited for people to read it because I think they're going to go, wow, this is insane. But I know this story. It's so simple. It really is just a basic kind of hero's journey kind of thing about, uh, Elliot's the main character. He, I, for some reason, I don't know. I want to be cool. Like Quentin Tarantino or like, like, uh, Wes Anderson. I always have this thing where I always, I try to do things that are really personal to me in the story. And when I was a kid in elementary school, I would always tell the teacher that my name was Elliot because I loved the movie ET so much. Yes. So I would say they're like, Alex Baggins, like, no, no, no. 
Elliot. Would and you it, say Elliot? <laughs> probably. Yeah. I was an idiot. And like clockwork, they would call my parents like, are there, are there problems at home? What's going on? They would always say, are there problems at home? I'm like, no. And she would say, cause your, your son is saying his name is Elliot, not Alex. And she's like, he does that. Just call him Alex. He's not Elliot. <laughs> He's not Elliot from Steven Spielberg's ET. And she's like, okay, I just want to make sure. So of course I had to name one character, yeah. Elliot. And then an, it's a second character. His name's Mikey. Yeah. And Mikey is inspired by Goonies. Obviously yeah, yeah. it was when I first moved to Northern California, I was four years old. I had no friends. I was in pre-K yeah. and my dad went to a closing down video shop nice. and, and bought me a used copy of the Goonies and yeah. I had never seen it. And that, Boom. I mean, that movie just really, stuck with me. Like I think with like, it stuck with a lot of suburban kids yeah, yeah. In, in that era. And I just sort of landed on these two characters, Elliot and Mikey, that really are just kind of me and Cody mm-hmm. at a young age living in Northern California. And I have a dog named captain. Oh, captain weenie, the best Instagram follow around. And they've got, uh, uh, a sidekick named Jean-Claude Van Doxen, which is Cody's favorite actor is Jean-Claude Van Damme. And because I have a Doxen, we just <laughs> smashed them together. Now you have Jean-Claude Van Doxen, who's sort of their Chewbacca, I guess. They're, yeah, they're, okay. they're not speaking sidekick. And it's just a really insane story. And chapter one, which um, is really close to being printed. Again, mm-hmm. we're self-printing it. We're self-publishing yeah. it. So it's we're really at the whim of getting it all done ourselves, which right. can be very difficult. Overwhelming, and, daunting. Mm-hmm. And I think people are going to be really surprised as to where the story twists and turns. Awesome. Chapter one is very much the origin, sure. but by chapter five, this thing's insane. Like, yeah. it, and, it, and in such a good way, it's so personal to me. And yeah. I, and how far ahead of you are, are, are you of the thing? The issue full, one's coming out. So issue one's coming out. The full story is pretty much beat it out. Okay. Uh, chapter two is almost done being written. I, I've got to stay about three chapters ahead of Cody because gotcha. it takes so much time yeah. to draw. We really worked in tandem on chapter one, okay. trying to figure out what this, th- like he was helping me with the writing. Yeah. I've been helping him with just like looking at the art and deciding on designs. And now that we're starting to really lock into our roles and our workflow, it's going to be a lot easier. Like okay. to put it, into perspective, it took me four months to write 12 pages of the comic. That's how hard it was for me to get back into the process. And then in the last two weeks, I've beat out 12 chapters and I did six pages of chapter two in that two weeks. And what took Cody to draw three pages took two months. He's drawn like nine Mm, in the last mm. two weeks. So we're up and it, running. Yeah. yeah, now it's up and running. Now we're moving. So I'm not too worried about how long it's going to take, but we are going to like take our time because yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather it be amazing than have I'm it rushed out. Jean-Claude Van Doxen looks amazing by the way. Um, on this you know, he's going to do the splits too. Yeah, it's not to. in there, but I'm going to have to figure out a way that he <laughs> does the splits. For that. So yeah, so this is again, and again, you, you, you and Cody make this decision. We're going to meet, we're going to do it for free. You're not, you're not yeah. making money now. And that, and that's, I think people out there know all that, yeah. but I always think it's, it's the click into that. You got to click into that mindset. Yeah. Uh, we're about five years ago is where I made the big switch of, me and my writing partner are going to meet every week and da, 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 da. And before yeah. it was like, and I still can, we all can, we're humans. We can fall into the, 
well, I could work today or I could play another game of MLB The Show. And some days the show wins <laughs> and some days the creative stuff uh-huh. wins. And that, you can't beat yourself up about it. But I, I love hearing that from you guys. Of like To do this, we're going in the hole money-wise probably. We're going to take yeah. this chance. And you're telling the story not for a concept that, you know, let's hope this is options. Let's hope this is that. You're like, we have to tell our story. Yeah. And that's where the... And I think that again, like we can dive, you know, mm. keep talking about full circle and all this amazing Star Wars. Stuff I'm going to make you talk about spiritual yeah. stuff uh, yeah. <laughs> all the time now. Yeah, the uh, you know, like one of the things that makes George Lucas so damn good at what yeah. he does, it's just him. Mm. It's just a kid in Modesto yeah. that wants a big adventure. Yeah, George Lucas didn't actually go to space. And yeah, he didn't have a big giant talking dog and he didn't rescue a princess and blow up a giant battle station, but he certainly was a kid from Modesto, which mm-hmm. is basically Tatooine. If you've ever yeah. been to Modesto, it's yeah. the worst as a kid from Northern California. Yeah. I can attest Modesto is not great. And he took on the big bad empire, which was the Hollywood studio system. Yeah. And he managed to break in with a movie and blow up the, and shatter the whole system. Yeah. And that is He's just telling his story, something that's really true to him. And mm-hmm. when I set out to make this comic, that was not the goal. It was like, I'm just going to make something weird that can never be produced. And it's going to be just for me. Mm. And slowly over the last year, I've just realized, oh my gosh, mm. I'm telling, is this it? Is this even more personal than Shark Bites was? Because Shark okay. Bites, there literally was a character named Alex that right, lived right. with Spielberg. It was me. And this is now maybe even more personal and maybe a little more reflective than that show ever had the right to be. And I'm just really excited for people to read it. Cause I think it, I mean, I've been sending Steve pages just yeah. to sort of get initial feedback. And Steve and I are, we're separated by about, I want to say five years. So when mm-hmm. I was in middle school, Steve was in high school. So there's a little bit of a, mm-hmm. a, a generate, just a slight gap there. A little different, yeah. And because our show, this comic is playing so much in the idea of, nostalgia, how important that what, mm-hmm. what role nostalgia plays in our life now? Is it, is it better to look behind you than to look forward? Can you learn things from the past? Should we let the past die? Should we, we're, we're playing with that yeah. a lot in a way I didn't think we were going mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. And it's just really become a really fun reflection process for That's me. And awesome. I'm, I'm so excited for people to get a real good look at it. I've been very coy you with the been. social media posts because I don't want, I want, people to be surprised when they open it up because I think a lot of the, especially the listeners and viewers of black series rebels, mm. they don't know my creative voice like that. Cause I don't talk yeah. about it that much on the show. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited for them to sort of get to see that side of me. And also because online fandom and that stuff can get so toxic. Yeah. I also really just want to encourage people to go out and do stuff. Be creative. Yeah. Be creative. Like how, and how about instead of getting mad, mm-hmm. Get out there and get rad. Do something. Get rad. Get rad. Don't get, Don't mad. get mad. Get, get rad. rad. <laughs> like go out there and do something that you be the be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. Right? If 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 you are not getting the stories you want told, if you go into the theater and you're like, Ugh, Star Wars really stinks now. Mm-hmm. Do something. Make make your version of it. And I'm not saying a fan film. Yeah. If there's anything wrong with that, if right. you want to make fan films, rock and roll. You want to write fan fiction, rock and roll. At least it's creative. But yeah. remember, you are playing with toys that don't belong to you. Right. But guess what? If you go out and you make up all your own toys, you get to do whatever you want. Yeah. And nobody can tell you anything. And it is yours. And it is personal. And it belongs to only you. And yes, the readers can take what they want from it. But you will always yeah. know, no matter what, 
nobody can tell me what I can do with these toys. Right. I created them. My and toys. that, <laughs> yes. And that's what I'm ex- the most excited about for people to read it because, right. Right. you know, it's me. It's like, I'm putting it all out there and yeah, there's going to be people who are like, nah, stinks. Just talk about star Wars, whatever. Yeah. I don't it, care. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a struggle because I'll get that every now and then as I start to do more comedy podcasts and, and experiment with different things. And yeah, I get that. Uh, yeah, I don't want you to, I don't come to your channel for this. I come to your channel for Game of Thrones, Star Wars talk. And it's like, great. I hope, and please continue, but that's a, yeah. it's a boring existence, but I have to work. I, I have to not let that get me down. Mm-hmm. And to those listening, like if you're out there, you might be an accountant and you want to go try stand up. Yeah. And people who know you are going to be like, you're an accountant. What are you doing? Yeah. You got to know, let that lie and go tell your jokes. Also, and, and again, this is the biggest cliche in the book, but it's very true. You're, you're a spiritual guy. You can live. Yeah. <laughs> I'm never going to live that down. I'm not a spiritual guy. I'm However, gonna, God came down to me in Disneyland. Listen, I'm so. not a spiritual guy, but I am technically the second coming. No, no, no. <laughs> please don't cut just that clip <laughs> out. Uh, Alex from Black Street Rebel says he's the second coming. No, no, no. But this is the biggest cliche in the book, which yeah. would be, most of those folks are just jealous that you're yeah, out yeah. there doing that stand up. Yeah. They're just jealous that you've got six podcasts you're working on, or they're yeah. just jealous that people really like Black Series Rebels pins, or mm-hmm. that I've been bold enough to put myself out there with a comic. And if they've yeah. got something negative to say about it, it's probably because they wish that they yeah. could do it. And I, and I would say to that person, I wouldn't say, "Oh, don't yell at me, you suck." I would say, "Tell your story." Yeah. Get out there. I want to see it. I want to hear your voice. If there's one thing Hollywood needs more of, it is unique, individual, diverse, creative people. Right. And if you get out there and you make that effort, it's going to just, I promise you, mm-hmm. it, 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 w- it will work out. You, you yeah. might not sell a thing, but you yeah. certainly will feel better for going out there and doing it. You know, um, Mm-hmm. I just saw a tweet the other day that was like, they were talking about that movie, um, the missing link that like a movie, yeah. it costs a hundred million dollars to make made $24 million in the theater. Right. And they were like, why didn't anyone see this movie? It was amazing. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's so funny because all the people that didn't see it, are probably the people screaming about the fact that Hollywood only makes sequels. Yeah. yeah. Get out there and support small artists. Mm, Take yeah. in independent creators, it will only encourage you. Yeah. I, I see, I try to see every movie that comes out. Now, obviously mm. I don't go see everything. I didn't see Stuber. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't see Camille Nanjiani and Dave Batista and Stuber. We apologize to both of them. But I did see The Farewell. I did yeah, see okay. The Black, Last Black Man in San Francisco. I right. did see Spider-Man. I try to see everything right. because I think it would be rad if all of these amazing independent creators get the call from Marvel or Star Wars one day yeah. to direct an episode of The Mandalorian or to make an episode of Moon Knight or direct the next Spider-Man movie. Hopefully it yeah. stays in the MCU. That's a whole other podcast. That <laughs> also dates this. Hopefully by the time this yeah, yeah. comes out, they've already it's finished solid. that. They've yeah. finished that beef. Got back I'm so tired of that beef. The Sony Disney beef. The beef. The beef. The beef. And uh, yeah, I just think that if people support... Yeah independent artists create more go out and do what it is they want to see trust me we're just going to be so much more stoked yeah and don't worry about you know yeah there's seven hundred thousand podcasts out there don't worry do yours yeah do yours i want to hear yours i might not listen to it that doesn't mean i don't want to hear it yeah that doesn't mean i don't want it to exist that doesn't mean that it shouldn't exist i think everybody everybody if there is a desire to create within you do it yeah. Just do it because I, like everybody else, I got so focused on 
the result, the thing, the, the mm. thing to talk mm. about at the party. Right. And it's not about that. And it, right. it's not about that for me anymore. It is now about waking up and just being joyful in the fact that I get to create something that I'm privileged enough to wake up and tell my story with my mm. buddy Cody and draw pictures yeah. of bones brigade era, Tony Hawk with a laser sword. And we'll see what happens. Spoiler alert that that's if there's any sizzle, <laughs> any sizzle for the book, that was the sizzle for that's the book. The one. And I, I just, I mean, I just, I really appreciate you yeah. even having me on to come talk about something other than, other than you know, what we always talk about because which is fun. Yeah. But yeah. And, uh, and honestly, like, I'm really nervous for people to hear about. It. I was really nervous to come on here and talk about the comic because I did. Oh, that explains the pee puddle on my floor. Yeah. Oh, or that might have oh. been my dog. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did piss yeah. all the way back to your recording studio. Like, hey, sorry. Good news. Good to see you. Well, we're retraining her, and yeah. now we'll retrain Alex. <laughs> new house, new rules. And I appreciate you sharing. And I think you're saying some fascinating stuff. And I think don't get mad, get rad is a good hashtag. Can my, that be? Do, my, do you name the episode? That, that's on. That's our episode title. Don't get mad, get rad. Don't get mad, get rad. That's so sick. I was going to say taco conflict, but I think don't get mad, get rad. <laughs> taco is a little better. I, I I will say it does bring me great joy though that like taco conflict and don't get mad, get rad. Of course, come from a black series rebel coming on, <laughs> coming on your show. No, it's great. I love working with both of you for a lot of reasons, uh, and and you you. I always say you guys, you both get it. Cisco too. I I don't want to forget Cisco sitting there running the cameras and everything. Cisco is this is a secret weapon. He's a secret black weapon indeed. Yep, and I love what you guys do, and I, I appreciate. I really respect what you're, you're you've done here. It's, it's inspiring to me too to get back to. Thank you. You know, because I I had laid down the writing mind, not not just the pen, the mind, mm-hmm. and was like done with that, mm-hmm. done with that, done with stand up, and and that's a different battle. But yeah, then being around you guys and seeing what you can do, and and other others in my life as well, and and then just uh, it's weird. I got my ass kicked by something a project ten years ago that started. Mm. almost to the month coming up now is back with life that we didn't expect. And mm. it's like, I gotta, I gotta, why did I leave that? I gotta be yeah. prepared for the next opportunity all yeah. times. And why did I let that creative juice die? And so it's inspired me around watching you share this. When I, when I saw you tweet this out, I knew you were working on stuff, you know, there'd be times of, of little games where it's like, uh, I'll text uh, both of you and Steve like, Hey, what are we doing? Hey, let's say I'm saying hi guys. And Steve will text me. Alex is working right now. I'll answer for you. He'll text me privately. Like, Oh yeah, he's working hard. He's working hard. Uh, I love Steve. Steve's he's the, the greatest producer. He's like, Alex is currently in a creative space. Uh, we really want to keep Alex creatively free to do what he needs to do. Please don't bother Alex. No, because no. I know yeah. if any of us are ever in the position, yeah, we'll call one of we'll each other and we'll get each other paid, bro. paid, paid. And look, money and success and the end of the journey is part of why we're all doing this but don't get caught up in that don't get caught up in that instagram party life and i love instagram and i love social media i still do i still do because it connects me with people long gone out of my life or this and that or family Uh, twitter we can start to burn but um i love it all and uh it's also a way to get the word out and you're getting the word out and infinite bros infinite bros i can see that on a bumper sticker now. Uh, when is it coming out? When? What can you tell me about that? I know you may, at the time of this recording, you might not be sure. We are hoping well, for early October. Uh, I, I'll just I'll just be bold and say Saturday, October fifth. There you We're, go. We are hoping for a release Saturday, October twenty 
October 5th. October. That's how, that's how spontaneous that choice was. There I don't even go. know the date. But here's what I will say. Uh, for those yeah. of you that are listening that know Black Series Rebels pins, mm-hmm. uh, it'll be in a very similar style the way yeah. the book will come out. So mm-hmm. usually what we do is we drop stuff Saturday at 9 a.m. California time, 12 p.m. Eastern time. There you go. Everything will be very limited numbers. So the way we're going to do it is we're going to print handmade copy. I just burped right before the pitch. That's, That's amazing. great. I'm going to keep yeah. it in. I've done that. Don't get mad. Get red. The, um, the way we will do it is we'll print very limited numbers of the okay. physical edition of the comic. So mm. I'll get super nerdy real quick. Do it. We're, we're doing a, a style of printing called risograph printing. I don't understand. Which this. were, I believe the Cody will kill me, but I think that they were printers that were invented in the late sixties, early seventies. And they're basically, it's kind of like silk screening, yeah. but it, it, really rapidly prints like flyers. So it's a very big thing for like rock flyers. You can only do like four colors at a time. So it has this really sort of cool retro E vibe. Oh, nice. So we're doing these hand printed risograph versions of the comic and there will be very limited numbers of those, or you'll be able to buy a digital PDF and that'll be, that'll be super cheap and hopefully everyone will be able to grab that. And then, but if you want to like really, dip in and support the the comic and me and Cody as creators, mm. we will have these limited edition hand gotcha. printed and hand assembled comics that'll come with, you know, I got to do my fun merch. Yeah. They'll, come, they'll come with a really cool limited edition t-shirt yeah. and it takes place in 1996. I'll give the slight pitch for chapter one, That's 1996, year, two young friends are about to become the heroes they always wanted to be but first they've got to navigate the difficult popular social structure of the mall in california in chapter one so there's you know they're going by the food court you know they're swinging by the arcade laser tag they're doing a lot of really fun stuff probably picking up something at suncoast oh yeah i can i can tell you books i can tell you firsthand yeah that Suncoast is in this comic. <laughs> that that's how <laughs> that is how personal it is. I mean, is I to started me. working at a mall in '98, so I'm gonna enjoy this trip. You're gonna be like, oh wow, they really love the mall. <laughs> it's, it's my life too. So yeah, it'll come out uh, early October, okay. um, and then you know, chapter two will hopefully be sometime early 2020. In about okay. every four months, these hand printed comics will come out, and we are leading up to about a 12 chapter arc. Mm-hmm. And when that's done then we might think about like, okay, how do we want to, you know, publish all of this into one giant graphic novel? Is there quickly on that, uh, the the release schedule is great. I think it's great. I I think there's always a realistic thing of, of making sure you can, deliver on what mm-hmm. you want to do too. Yeah. I think I've seen that too. Where we're like, we're going to do, we're going to, we're going to shoot a, move a feature film this weekend. Can you yeah. <laughs> make yeah. sure? Yeah. Cause then you cause problems for yourself. So exactly. I like that too. Like no joke. As yeah. soon as I finish here, I'm going right home and hopping on Google chat and Cody and I are going to work right. on this comic book. Like there's right. no, we, we are, mm. we know how much work it's going to be. And f- even four months might even be a lofty goal, but, but we're going to do our best. I love yeah. it. I love it. That is Alex Backus who has a great message for us all. Don't get mad. Get rad. Also, be careful of taco conflicts. It's a real thing. <laughs> uh, very real thing. I have taco conflicts, but I don't even uh, advertise for tacos. Uh, so uh, very, very happy to have you in here, Alex. And uh, also, don't forget, so tell them where they can follow you in general and, and you, you and Steve and what you're doing. Yeah, so for all the details on Infinite Bros, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Alex underscore Bacchus or Instagram, which is just at Alex Backus. I had at Alex Backus on Twitter, but I forgot the password and well, it's been, it's been existing there just really in its own beautiful, like 
2010 <laughs> existence. Um, but yeah, that's the best way to find out about Infinite Bros. And then, of course, if you already follow Black Series Rebels, I'm sure I'll retweet and share all the stuff there. So you'll be able to find out about the book. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, at the beginning of the show, you guys heard about all my high-tier patrons and supporters on the Catnapsock Patreon page. So uh, go back and check that out. If you want to support me, go to patreon.com slash catnapsock. want to pick up the book, Why We Love Star Wars. Now an audiobook version, which is great because I got to go back and correct some things. Oh, let me tell you about the copy editing. <laughs> I'm having some issues. So, so another mistake that popped up today. Someone Facebook <laughs> me. I was like, yeah, I, I didn't do that. <laughs> a one forgot to, I forgot to type a one in the Millennium Falcons YT-1300. I know it's that. It didn't make it to the book, and now I'm not going to sleep for two days. But the audiobook allowed me to correct a lot quick, of that. Quick quick yeah. little comment on that. Yeah, You might be missing the message of the Why We Love Star Wars book if you're picking apart all the mistakes <laughs> in the Why We Love Star Wars book. <laughs> Just quick pitch. I appreciate them. Just know that I already am aware of most of them and uh, cry when I get the tweets. Um, but that to say, it's not about that. It's about putting it out in the world. And I uh, appreciate all the support. The audio book has done well. Uh, we thank you all for that. You can go to KenNapsock.com for more information, including live comedy shows, because I am back and doing comedy, doing stand-up comedy. Mr. Mark Ellis slowly worked on me over the course of a year and a half to get my joy for telling jokes on stage back. And we're doing a big show in Washington, D.C., two shows. Go to MarkEllisLive.com for information or KenNapsock.com com for information on that. And I'm sure I'll be on BSR very soon, talking Star Wars with Steve and Alex. Uh, thanks again, Alex. Steve, if you're listening, we love you, man. We love you. We'll see you next time here on the Knapsack Files. <laughs>